Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am your host, Bridget McGowan, and I have with me today the one, the only, Tanya J. Miller. Tanya, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bridget. I'm excited to talk on the microphone today with you. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes. Well, here's my first question for you. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that I would be able to answer this question just on the fly. So okay. why am I giving you this question if I cannot answer it? What would you say is one of the toughest parts about being a professional speaker? Um, I would say it's toughest because it's hard when you're trying to make it as a business. Mm. And that's when you have a message and a story to tell that you're willing to do it for free. And sometimes because you care that much, you will do it. So it's not as um, tough as it is hard when it's a professional business. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you just want to help. You know, your heart is to help and your message and your story. And so it's like, you'll do it. But you also, you know, business side of things, got to make sure you're at least balancing out, you know, those paid speaking gigs with those um, ones that you just have to do because you just love and feel you're assigned to that um, call, if you will. That's a smart answer. That's probably that's probably a pretty accurate answer. I know I've been I've been a professional speaker since 2001, but it wasn't until 2016 when I got laid off from mm-hmm. a position I had with an ed tech company. That's when I decided to go out on my own and make this my full-time endeavor. And you're, you're right about that. <laughs> it's not about getting on the stage, shaking the nerves, trying mm-hmm. to find a friendly face in the audience, wanting to make sure you remember everything. It's none of that. None mm-hmm. of that worries us. It's making sure that, like you said, you're paying the bills and that you make okay. sure that you are balancing the paid engagements with the ones that you do I'm not going to say pro bono but that you do without getting a physical paycheck because there are other ways to get paid for speaking engagements and we might talk about that we might not I don't know we'll see but when you think about (laughs) when you think about your first speaking engagement Mm -hmm. versus the most recent one you did what's the biggest difference between the two Gosh, wow. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, when I first started speaking, it was in a church setting, if you will. And so you just talked about whatever that may have told you the topic was or the, uh, what did they used to call it? The um, occasion of the program. Yes. yes. Um, versus um, my most recent one, um, it's kind of like I, my part of my role um, was very specific in that I knew what the expectation was. Um, and I guess the good thing about both was that 
I had the freedom to be me and to deliver um, what I was speaking about the way I was able to. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes there's a cookie cutter, you know, not cookie cutter, but there's like this look of what they think it should look like, what it sound like and all that. But in both occasions, they let me be me. Um, so I was definitely grateful for that. But I would just say kind of the difference was the, the setting. One was in church, one was in what I call marketplace. And so with marketplace, it's business owners, entrepreneurs, um, heads of organizations or uh, executive um, business, you know, people, um, business people. So different arena, if you will, but still able to be me, which I'm grateful that I'm able to flow in the, the various arenas and they let me deliver it how I'm supposed to deliver it. <laughs> A lot of people, a lot of people, though, don't feel that comfortable, Tanya, as showing up just as themselves. They feel like they have to be a certain way or, I mean, I don't know. I I think about, what was that? No, I said, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I know when I was at that ed tech company, because I was not just representing myself, I was representing that company. And so I would mm-hmm. actually sometimes in the middle of a presentation, I would say something along the lines of, do you want the, and we'll call the company, I don't want to say the company's name, but we'll just say, I would ask, do you want the company answer or do you mm-hmm. want the Bridget answer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and most of the time they would want the Bridget answer. <laughs> yeah. Authenticity, whether it's you re- representing the business or as you represent your business, your own business, they still want you to be you. And like you said, it's definitely challenging to do that um, sometimes. But I think for me, that's kind of uh, almost the expectation I put upon myself. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I have to be able to deliver I have to be able to say, I have to be able to speak, I have to be able to do what I am assigned to do the way I'm assigned to do it. So even in corporate settings, you know, I still have to be able to still provide um, what it is that I do in my assignment, which is helping people and organizations to be able to do life and leadership unapologetically on purpose. And so it's like, if I can't be myself in doing what I'm saying, then how am I going to tell you to show up, you know, unapologetically in your purpose and your assignment and your business and your career? How can I do that? And so, you know, we might be talking from a leadership standpoint on the various styles of leadership and um, how to uh, rally, if you would, the troops. But I still have to be able to be me in doing that. And part of me is still going to give you some motivation, inspiration, encouragement might be a, a quote rather than a scripture, but it's still going to be that because that's right. just who I am. Right, right. I, I think a lot of times, you know, listeners are probably thinking to themselves, well, that sounds great, but I don't necessarily speak on that at a company event. I'm presenting on a product. I'm presenting on a service. So let's say you are presenting on something that's not necessarily you. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. this deep down passion that you have. Mm-hmm. 
Have you ever been in that position where this is not something that, you know, is from the Tanya J. Miller files? And <laughs> if, if so, how do you find the passion? How do you bring your authentic self to it? Well, I was in corporate America. Um, wow. 20 plus years. Um, yeah. I only recently been out because a chronic disease and illness hit me. <laughs> but if not, I would have still been in corporate America. And in that I was in um, BP level positions and I was, you know, uh, project project manager. And so one of the things they even ask you is, are you able to speak across um, departments and varying um, levels of uh, authority, sometimes even executive, um, internal, external stakeholders, are you able to still, um, you know, with authority, communicate this, the task at hand, communicate the problem, work together to provide solutions, whatever the case may be. And oh, by the way, you may have to um, speak on that every Friday morning, seven o'clock for the executive meeting, you know? And so it's like, yeah. And and what I mean by that, yeah, yeah, I did it. Yeah, I can do it. And yeah, I feel like you can do it if you're that type of um, speaker um, in the professional career, corporate mind, if you will, is because um, many, and, and this is kind of the whole uh, tug of war between being a small business owner and being someone that works in a career. And they say, well, um, you're an entrepreneur, I'm not an entrepreneur, so I can't think like that, right? And so one of the things um, I communicate and the way I receive it as an entrepreneur, you don't have to own a business. You can own your career path. You can own your, your um, position and how you look at your position and the integral part you play and you have an entrepreneurial mindset but in a career position. And so as a professional speaker, you in a professional, um, let's say you are coming and speaking from your company to a bunch of HR um, directs you're training on the newest, um, you know, tr training or whatever. And you're, how do you deliver that? How are you passionate about that? Because at some part of it, you own it. You own what it is that, you're selling, you own whatever it is that you're training individuals on, you have to own it. And when you begin to own it, it doesn't matter the message. It doesn't matter the message and it doesn't matter what you have to talk about. If you own the, the fact that it's your voice that matters and it's what, it, what, it's what needs to be heard, then it doesn't matter what it is you know that what you have to say is valuable and the people in the room need it. And so you work to deliver it as such. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Okay. I'm going to have a follow-up question too. Okay. But yes, that definitely answers the question. So as a speaker, Tanya J. Miller, based in Dallas, Texas, has a clear message. She believes that God placed everyone in, placed in everyone purpose. And that mm -hmm. to leave this world empty Evan, uh, uh, after having spent their whole lives pursuing their passion, fulfilling their purpose, following their dreams, casting their vision, 
all to one day arrive at destiny. That is her message. And Tanya speaks as a, a, a speaker who encourages, who motivates, who inspires men and women, organizations and businesses, leaders and young adults, everyone and all ages to do this and more. She is passionate about what she believes and is unafraid to tell the world. Again, Tanya lives in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. She's married and she and her husband are members of a very popular congregation, the Potter's House, North Dallas. Now, earlier, Tanya, you said when you own your voice, and I'm paraphrasing here, the message Mm -hmm. doesn't matter. What is your message? I shared a little bit of your message, but I want the listeners to hear from you. What do you speak on? What are you passionate about? What is it that just lights you up and has you putting the microphone on fire when you're on a stage? It's purpose, but it's kind of, you know, they say, what's your 10 to 15 pitch of who you are and what you do? And they say, you can start it with, I help. So my start with I help is I help, like you said, people in organizations to figure out how to do life and leadership unapologetically on purpose. And they, a lot of times they say, why do you say the life and leadership? Because like I said, you don't have to be a business owner, but you are a leader of something. Um, And you're leading somebody, whether it's you, your family, um, your team, your friends, there's some aspects of leadership in there. And I say the life and leadership because so often people can't figure out that it's not a matter of picking, but it's just a matter of living. And um, in addition to that, I say the figuring it out aspect of it, because it really is something you have to figure out every day, like stuff happens in life, stuff, catch stuff, 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 (laughs) it happens. And so you always have to try to figure out, okay, how do I bounce back? How do I find resolve? How do I find this solution? How do I find a way to live and do so so much so that I'm doing it unapologetically on purpose? I'm doing it so much so that I'm being um, fully in my purpose, in my career, in my business, in my life, in my marriage, in my friendship. And so it's um, it's the yin and the yang of what I feel like people are literally trying to figure out every day. And so as a speaker, I may talk, it's that always at the core, but you may have me come and talk on mental health because you know that I understand the balance of mental health um, and purpose, meaning if you don't have a good mental mindset, you're going to be afraid. You know, you're going to be afraid of a lot of things. And, and so I may just talk to you about doing it, doing it afraid, get my whole message, my whole speaking topic may just be doing it afraid. It may be on mental health, but it may be on uh, a new recruit of um, recent grads to a business, a corporation. And you you see how I'm still talking to corporate I'm still talking in what they asked me for, but then I bring it specific to that audience and what they may need right, right then. And so it's just um, from whatever I do, the assignment is flexible enough to where, like I said, my voice, as long as I'm 
I'm, I'm following my voice, the message won't matter because the voice is the message and it's going to be clear. It's going to be, um, it's going to flow. It's going to make sense. And, you know, I think I've had it. Somebody said, I didn't know how you were going to put it all together. They were like, but oh, well, you were done. I understood, you know, and like, I, was, I didn't know. I was like, well, I'm going I'm to I'm have respect, but I'm not sure. And I think that's the beauty, you know, in being a professional speaker is that you can, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of it and why I said you have to be able to do it authentically you because that is the thing of what your message may resonate with the people that receive messages that way versus um, another another portion um, may receive it when this speaker gets up, you know? That's why, like, sometimes when it's multiple speakers, you're like, why do they have multiple speakers? Because a whole room may not receive the message the way um, that one person may have, you know? So they may have you know, a couple or they may have a panel or something like that, because you want to make sure that, especially if it's a conference, if it's um, a summit or anything like that, where it's a lot of uh, people coming, everybody may not be coming for the same thing. And so you want to speak to the wherever they're at. Right. In a little bit, you'll have an opportunity to ask me a question. But what you just said reminded me of something that someone posed to me, a question that someone posed to me in a session mm -hmm. that I was delivering on presentation skills. And she said something along the lines of, you know, what do you do if someone leaves your session? I said, you keep presenting. What do you mean? What do you do? So what do you, mm -hmm. do you what, are you suggesting I should you should run and tackle them down and drag them back in and make them sit up? What do you tell them? What do you do? You keep presenting. But what you she meant—I <laughs> don't have any sense, Tanya. What she meant, of course, was like, how do you manage that? Because mm -hmm. that is off-putting, yeah. and it's happened to me. Okay, yeah. it's happened to me where I'll see someone leave, and it, it, you know, my heart just drops to the pit of my you stomach. You were speaking before lunch, and they were hungry. They were right. trying to make right, right. <laughs> and so that's what I told her. I said, <laughs> you don't know why that person left. Now, it happened to me at a conference I just presented at last week. Someone left. However, she happened to tell me inadvertently, she just happened to mention something about needing to leave early because she needed to mm -hmm. go to the call or something. You know, she just happened to tell me that. So my answer to that other person at that other conference was, you don't know why they're leaving. So it mm -hmm. may not necessarily have a thing to do with you. And I'm going to make this all make sense in a little bit, kind of like that audience member of yours, where it's like, this isn't coming together, right? But I told her they may need, need to go take a phone call maybe they got an email message from their their manager or their boss where they've got to go handle it right now maybe mm. they got an emergency call from the school their child is sick maybe you know if it's early on in the session like within the first few minutes maybe all of a sudden they realized at a conference oh snaps I went into the wrong room I'm supposed to be in the room next door right so it's not so much uh, I don't like your message. Your message is horrible. No, my intent, you know, was to be in the next session. My boss sent me here to get X. I need to go over there and get that message. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, if you do have someone leave, let's say one, you don't know why the person leaves unless they tell you. But if the person does leave 
and it's about your message not being a right fit for them, understand that your message is not what everybody needs at that moment. It's just like hearing a commercial on your car radio as you're driving. And it may be a commercial for a restaurant, but in that moment, you may not be hungry. Mm -hmm. You may not be hungry for that cuisine. It doesn't mean it's an awful commercial. It doesn't mean that that company should stop buying airtime. It doesn't mean that they should shut down. And the same thing goes for presentations. Everybody Mm -hmm. does not need what you're giving right then and there. And that's okay. And if you happen to have one or two people leave your session, let's say you have a hundred people in a session Mm -hmm. and you have one or two people leave. Let's say you've got five people leave. Who cares? You still have 95 people sitting in front of you. That is a majority. Mm -hmm. Pay attention and focus your energy on the 95 folks you have, as opposed to letting your energy go out the door with the five people who left and tell yourself, I want you to think about all of those reasons. Maybe they needed to go use the facilities. Maybe they needed to go handle an emergency. Maybe they got a phone call, whatever. I want you to think about all those possibilities as opposed to, because we could stack up tons of possibilities as to why they're leaving versus the one reason you think they're leaving oh, they they don't like me or my message. Mm -hmm. It's one possible reason versus these dozens of possible reasons they could be leaving. Eh, The odds are in your favor that they may very well like what you're saying. It's just not a good fit or there's something else going on in the moment. So that was a lot. (laughs) I I followed every bit of it. But yeah, we we brought it full circle eventually (laughs) Where, like you said, sometimes you'll see a lot of speakers on a panel. It's like, why do they have all these speakers? But it could be that each person has a different message. And naturally, not could be, it is absolutely the fact Mm -hmm. that each person has a different message. And each audience member needs something different. And that's what listeners have to keep in mind, is that your Mm -hmm. audience members all enter into that room needing something different. Okay, with that... What is your question for me, Tanya? Um, I think I would um, like to ask you, kind of similar to what you asked me, uh, from your first speaking opportunity you had to your most recent, what was the good, what was the not so good, and kind of what do you look at going forward, if any, that you would apply to it? Right. So a couple of things. Let me think a couple of things, a couple of things. One, I don't remember the absolute first speaking engagement. I mean, if, if, if we're going to, you know, take it all the way back, I was church school Mm -hmm. secretary. Okay. And I was so proud (laughs) to get up and read the minutes every Sunday, uh, Tanya. I, I, I just thought, I don't know. I was on this yeah. stage and all eyes on me. But one of the first ones read, uh, as a whole public speaking in itself, because we read minutes differently, if y'all don't know, in church. Me- meeting minutes is, is a whole, or announcements, it's a whole to do. But I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it, but you're right. It, it truly is. It truly is. And it's evolved over the years. Now we have slide decks and recordings and videos and everything. So it's definitely grown by leaps and bounds since I was doing 
those minutes reports on Sunday mornings. But one of the first professional or first presentations I can remember as an adult would have been probably around 2000 and 2001, 2002, maybe somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. And if I had to compare that one to my most recent one, there are three things that I can think about, or maybe two things in particular. One is the way I practice, and the other is how I make how, how I make sure I'm a little bit more flexible in my presentations. So I don't remember what my practice looked like if if I had any kind of plan of practicing when I was delivering that presentation in 2001, 2002, I distinctly remember it was at a conference in San Antonio. It was at a criminal justice conference. I think it was the Academy for Criminal Justice Sciences. Yes, ACJS. And I remember doing, you know, an okay job. I mean, it was pretty dull. I mean, we're presenting research findings with some classmates, nothing terribly exciting, but I just don't remember what kind of practice I, I put into it. And mm-hmm. I don't remember feeling super, super confident the way I feel now. Mm-hmm. I also okay. remember feeling pretty rigid and pretty attached to the outline, to mm-hmm. this is what I need to cover at all costs. Okay. And when I contrast just the presentation I did last week, my practice looks totally different and my flexibility is totally different. So now my practice and regular listeners have heard this before. I will not stop giving you this regular practice for me means I am going to deliver my presentation full out in a room all by myself as if the audience is right there with me a minimum of three times. I don't practice in front of a mirror because that's not authentic. When you get in Mm -hmm. front of the mirror, you're sucking in the gut. You're trying to put your shoulders back. You're trying to stand up tall. Nah. I want you to do it. No, no mirrors. Just, just practice your heart out as if your audience is right there with you. And speaking of audiences, don't do the mock audiences. What, what, what point is that? Because they're not going to give you real feedback that you can use. Or if they do give you some feedback, I mean, is it unless you are talking to a presentation skills coach or a fellow speaker who can truly give you feedback that is useful, Presenting in front of family and friends, that's not helpful because they don't either have the expertise or the heart to -hmm. tell you where you need to improve or how to improve. So my practice is different. So by the time I deliver my presentation to the actual audience, that'll be my, at a minimum, fourth time, at a minimum, fourth time that I've delivered that presentation. So I'm confident with it. I know, I don't have to look at the slides. I know what's next. I, you know, I'll, you know, I'll check my screen just to double check and make sure what I'm saying is matching with what's up there. But by then I've got it down pat. I'm feeling comfortable. And then the flexibility. I don't feel completely married to that script. Mm -hmm. I feel comfortable veering off of it, definitely getting more audience input because that's what's going to create a richness in the presentation is when they're hearing other voices. Yes, they came to hear the speaker and that's fantastic. And yes, you've got the microphone, but there's absolutely nothing wrong with, and actually you should incorporate 
voices from the audience. And I know that 2001, 2002 engagement, I'm, I'm relatively certain I didn't ask the audience a thing, okay? <laughs> I wasn't trying to hear from them. You're not going to derail me. Now I'm for, far more comfortable with that. An audience member can ask me anything, can stop me with anything, and I'm not one bit uh, taken off my course. So those are the two big things, the way I practice and then just having a little bit more um, of a flow and a little bit more zhuzh to, to my sessions. That's a great question. Actually, yeah, that's, that's awesome. And when you said it, it just kind of kept reminding me of um, kind of how I learned to speak um, early on and kind of the way my dad trained me in a sense. And he would always say, you need to be prepared to speak to a thousand the way you would speak to the one. And if so, then you're good. He said, but if you can't speak to the one, when will you ever think you're going to speak to the thousand? And that kind of, even during COVID times, uh, a lot of people got to see how they speak do they need the crowd can they still flow if they don't see the crowd can they still deliver a a powerful message whatever the subject may be and so what you were saying it just it it tied right into my early on training with my dad and other mentors uh, when it came to speaking so thank you for reminding me of him (laughs) and you are very welcome so what he taught you reminds me of something that I preach incessantly. And that is don't wait until quote unquote game day to work on your speaking skills. That is part of the disconnect with effective speakers. They'll wait until it's time to make a presentation. And then they try to work on sounding articulate and making sure, right? No, do that every day. Every time you have a conversation with someone, look that person in the eyes, have your shoulders back, have a smile on your face and don't mumble. Don't, (laughs) everything you say should be a presentation. So when it is time to deliver on game day, this idea of sounding confident when you speak, this (laughs) idea of making sure that you don't use up talk, up talk is when the ends of your sentences go up a little bit, right? <laughs> when you're working on all of these details that are so important on your mm-hmm. presentation day, when you do that on a daily basis, when it's time to get in front of an audience, you've already got that, that part nailed. It just comes naturally to you. And again, mm-hmm. speaking to the one speak to that one person as if you're speaking to a thousand. I'm going to flip your dad's teaching around. Speak mm-hmm. to individual people as if you are speaking to an out an audience of a thousand and then mm-hmm. vice versa. If you yeah. do both of those, you cannot lose. Yeah. What else do listeners need to know, Tanya, in order to make sure that they're able to go out there and just crush it in their next presentation? Um. I would just say, I loved how you said uh, practice um, every day. And so I would just piggyback on that to just say, you know, show up um, with, show up as, as you are so that they can see who you are. And what I mean by that is when you show up as yourself, 
and they're going to, like you said, you, you've become more fluid and more open and flexible. You know, you may, you don't have to worry about if everybody is going to get something. I always say, no, the right ones are going to get what they need because they came looking for what you were bringing. They, they were looking for it. They had expectation. And so you connect with those and, you, and you'll be able to discern it, you know, connect with those as you, you share um, whatever it is, your presentation, your speech, you know, because people's do them differently they do it in speech or a presentation or um interview style so do show up like show up as that every time and they're going to be pulled in directly to um what it is that you're coming to be a part of at their at the event exactly don't worry about trying to reach everybody you're not meant for everybody and everybody's not meant for you. You already know that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even when you go through your Rolodex, I know nobody uses a Rolodex anymore, so don't don't ding me. But when you go through your Rolodex, <laughs> <laughs> when you go through your contacts, okay, and you look at who's there now versus who was there five years ago, 10 years ago, you're not meant for everybody. Everybody's not meant for you. And the same thing goes for your message. And it's it's okay (laughs) it's all good (laughs) tanya j miller it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today i know the listeners really enjoyed hearing from you and you are so strong listeners you have no idea the strength of tanya and and you just have no idea so i really want you to take this episode as a true gem because tanya is um she's she's awesome she's amazing and definitely visit her website to learn more about tanya and all that she does tanya jmiller.com she's a speaker she's a coach she's an author she is just incredible so and also Mm -hmm. make sure you check out her youtube channel talking with tanya you will not be disappointed tanya j miller it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show today Thank you, Bridget. Thank you. Y'all go rock the microphone. I'm telling you, rock it, grab it, shake it, and own it. This is Bridget McGowan. Until next time, make sure you always own the microphone. <laughs>